Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the witch's wheel of the year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight sabbats. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Hello, witches. How's everybody doing this week? Welcome back. Uh, I am Megan Angus, your here, there, and everywhere host. First and last and always. (laughs) The witch. Uh, Welcome back to Spinning the Wheel podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us. I feel like I speak on behalf of a variety of entities at times. Um, (laughs) it's been a week. Can you tell? It's been a week. Um, sorry if I feel, or if I sound a little stuffed up, I am uh, dealing with a head cold right now. So, um, I may be a little more batty, uh, than usual. (laughs) Let's hope we can keep the train on the tracks. Okay. Um, first things first, uh, this is, uh, Samhain season, uh, waning moon in a Leo lunar week number 40. Um, here is the quickie spiel. Uh, if you haven't watched it already, uh, check out the Samhain class. You can watch it here, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on my website. Uh, if you follow me on this podcast, a podcast platform or on YouTube, you will get alerts every time uh, I put up a new offering. Uh, if you head to my website, you can sign up for my newsletter where I, it's irregular, but I usually remember to send it out and tell people what's going on um, with a little bit of extra stuff every now and then. Um, stuff that is coming up. I have a tarot circle being offered uh, November uh, 17th. This is a free workshop, but this is only for my patrons. You can register to my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, and that will get you access to the Tarot Circle. Um, And folks that are registered at the Venus level and higher, which is $9 and up, uh, will get access to the recording and any slides from the class, uh, as well as previous classes. Um, And so if you can't make it to class, you can watch it later. What else do we have going on? Next week, I am offering my last uh, public tarot workshop of the year. This is um, how to talk so tarot listens and how to listen when tarot talks. And this is about learning to ask better questions. And uh, we're also going to talk about synthesis. So when we get information from tarot, a variety of ways that we can interact with that information uh, and process it and integrate it into our question and, and our, whatever it is that we're asking about. So, um, that stuff, looking forward to that. And then, uh, next month we've got the Yule class, which is going to be December 12th, probably, 
or 15th. I don't know. I have several dates written in my notebook. And I was like, what day did I say I was going to teach that? So December, we'll find out. It'll be a surprise for all of us. And <laughs> and then I'll have one more tarot circle for patrons in December. Um, and I will probably talk about the world card, uh, but we'll see. Um, what else is going on? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who has, uh, liked, followed, subscribed, uh, left a rating, left a review for this podcast. I am so appreciative of that. I, you know, it's a, you know, it might only take a minute or 30 seconds out of your day to do that, but, um, the effort really pays off for me and I really appreciate it. I, I absolutely appreciate that digital support. Um, massive thank yous to all of my patrons who subscribe every month and support this work and make it so that this podcast is free. This is the ad. I may run one more ad in the middle of the podcast from time to time, but it's just me talking and saying, Hey, here's my stuff. Um, but I don't run ads otherwise on the podcast, uh, because I have that financial support and, um, uh, at least for the time being anyways. Um, and make it possible for me to teach the wheel of the year classes for free as well. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, whack, incredible, uh, dope, uh, ridiculous, amazing are words that I often use to describe my patrons and their incredible support. Um, and I think that that's it. I'm probably forgetting something. If you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, I still have slots on Patreon, where you can subscribe to my Patreon, get all the benefits of Patreon, and uh, see me a couple times a year up to once a month. Or you can go to my website and schedule a standalone reading, astrology, tarot, or both. Um, and those Patreon slots, uh, we also can just talk about magic. We can work through your process. However you want to use that time to hang out with me, it's there for you. Um, okay. That I think is enough of that. So now I want to ground us in our Samhain work, and then we are going to be a little more structured than we were last week in theory, <laughs> you know. Um, so to ground us in our Samhain work, we, uh, witches, pagans, heathens, and, you know, pretty much everybody else on the planet, even if they don't realize it, the big themes for Samhain season are uh, the life-death-rebirth process, fate, and ancestors. And then when we break that down, what that can look like for us is ancestor work, shadow work, our underworld journey that we are uh, beginning to take on. We are going to be participating in the underworld journey at the very least through winter solstice. For some traditions, the underworld journey lasts through Imbolc, which is February 2nd. And for some traditions, the underworld journey lasts all the way till we get to spring equinox way out in March of next year. Um, so wherever you are on your journey, we we all, for the most part, are, are on the underworld journey for now. Um, death work and transition work. Um, work that centers in our shape-shifting capacities as we change shape and transform into the being uh, that we need to be to do that underworld journey um, and to make our way through fall and winter and get ourselves to spring. Um, and we talk about that shape-shifting stuff in the Samhain class. Other things that we might be focusing on, purif purification work, uh, protection work, resting after labor, 
um, you know, working with our harvest metaphor that is central to our summer and fall uh, sabbats that we work with, um, where we have first harvest at Lunasad, second harvest at Mabin or fall equinox, and third harvest here at Samhain. Um, so we're resting after those harvests, whether they were metaphorical or literal for us. But also during this time, um, we might be focusing on a type types of sacrifice, which can look like a lot of different things, shutting down um, and getting ready for the deepest part of the underworld journey, which is, you know, definitely a type of stillness for a lot of people, as well as inviting in or at least making room for chaos. And that oftentimes looks like a big celebration of life because that is also very central in the midst of all of this death and stillness imagery as we descend uh, down into the underworld uh, adventure. Um, there is very much in Samhain season a, an insistence of life and a, and a deep celebration of life and liveliness. So that's the stuff that's going on for us. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, the, the basket that our work is sitting in this week. So now um, that we've covered that, what I want to talk about uh, is the moon, our fixed stars, and our astrology. I know, it's yet another, uh, <laughs> yet another order. <laughs> oh, well, stay sharp. You never know what's going to happen next. <laughs> so that's what we're going to cover next. Um, and our lunar work this week starts with a waning half moon in Leo. It is exact at 24 degrees of Leo at 527 AM Pacific standard time later in the day for everybody else, Wednesday, the 16th. And the waning half moon in Leo is pretty straightforward. Let's talk about first off, what are we doing with a waning half moon? So we've had, so we're in our lunar cycle, right? We've had the full moon, boom, you know, the, the fruit blossoms on the vine at the full moon, right? And then we have the disseminating moon. That's the next phase after the full moon. And that's kind of like, okay, things start to come to fruition and ripen, right? There's a difference between a piece of fruit appearing and a piece of fruit being ripe and ready to eat. So we've had the fruit appear from our process and then that fruit ripens. So sometimes that can be kind of like the, the results of our efforts. Um, the fallout sometimes too is what that looks like. And now at the wax, or excuse me, at the waning half, which is the next phase of the lunar cycle, the waning half, we are taking a moment to assess our process because the next lunar phase is balsamic and the next one is the new moon. So we are getting ready to, you know, uh, get, get out of this process and start the next lunar process. And the waning half moon gives us a really cool opportunity because what we're doing here is we're getting ready to let go of stuff. We are looking at the process. We are doing an assessment of everything that's happened in this iteration. And we're saying, okay, here's what didn't work. Let me call that out and let me let go of it and get it out of the way so that I can make room for whatever my next opportunity is or whatever my next attempt is going to look like. 
And that assessing can also be a moment of looking at what did work and talking to ourselves about, am I holding on to previous successes too tightly because I am afraid to let go of something that worked to grasp onto something that might work even more. Um, and so we're looking at all of that on the waning moon. We're, we're being really honest with ourselves about like, wow, I really loved this, but it's not working. And we're also looking at, wow, I really loved this and it was totally working, but is it holding me back from something that could be even better? And specifically, um, Raven Caldera in moon phase astrology, you know, I talk about that book a lot. Um, Taught, speaks to the waning half moon in Leo as a moment of really assessing our failures, really assessing the places where we have like ego embedded in our process and we are having a super hard time with it. And I got to be honest, I don't know that I necessarily agree entirely, or maybe I agree more so on some years and less so on other years. And here is why, because one, um, I see that waning moon from both directions, right? Calling out what didn't work and also calling out what did work that maybe I'm holding on to and not affording what else could work uh, space in my process. But also because we have had a lot of tough ass astrology over the last few months. We've had our eclipse season that we just barely, you know, dragged ourselves to shore <laughs> from the shipwreck of that situation, right? We've had a lot of super tough astrology over the last few months. And I think we have had ample opportunities to examine what isn't working in our lives, what isn't working in our society, um, what isn't working in general, right? Uh, I think that we've kind of been flailed by reality a little bit here. Uh, and so, you know, if you need a little more of that, sure, go ahead. Here's a good moon to do that with. Help yourself. I'm not going to stop you. But also, we have some really cool astrology. We have some really helpful astrology this week. A little bit of tough, but, uh, but also some good stuff. But we have some very powerful, helpful astrology next week that is going to lead into an astrological cycle next year. And I think that a very neutral stance on our assessment of what all do I need to let go of to make room for new potent opportunities that might be coming up on the horizon for myself. I think that's the most important work and to not get too focused on only the bad stuff or only the good stuff or whatever. Okay. So that's, what's up with this moon. Um, and yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really potent moon for that. It's kind of a subtle moon, but it's, you know, speaking to clearing the way for some stuff that's going to come through in a larger process next week. And as I said, leading into next year. So with our waning moon in Leo, for our lunar body work, we are supporting or nourishing or relaxing or resting or otherwise restoring our back, our heart, our circulation, and our blood. And as I say every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a doctor of cauldrons and spooky shit. Uh, so please check with your trusted health advisor if you're wanting to incorporate any of this information into your uh, physical body health routine. And always remember that you can work with the metaphor. 
So is there something that you need to get off your back? Is there something you need to get off your heart? Uh, you know, is there something that's really making your blood boil, right? Though those things work here too. Um, that stuff. Okay. And for our plant body work with our waning moon in Leo, we are doing harvesting, pest control, disease control, plowing, weeding, or pruning to encourage below ground growth. And we've talked about this a few times already on the podcast uh, and in our Samhain class, but traditionally, harvesting stuff after Samhain has a little like kind of energy on it. Like, I don't know, is that okay or is it not okay? Um, might be spooky. Um, that might be what you're looking for. And so that might be why you want to harvest things after Samhain and or, um, you know, it, it, it might be a little odd. <laughs> to harvest things after Samhain. So as I often say, your mileage may vary. Uh, go with your gut on that. Um, but just know that there's that element there. And or, you know, considering what might be the effect of harvesting things from the underworld uh, to do what with, right? That sort of thing. That we can play with that magical concept here. Um as I've also said in the last couple of weeks, with the weather shifting, with uh, you know the dew point shifting and the moisture content shifting in your house and outside of your house, right? I'm sure your heaters are starting to kick on, depending on where you are in the country. Might still be warm, um, but humidity levels are probably changing, and so keep your eyes open for mold and mildew and of different types of pests and insects that might be coming in and doing their thing on your plants. Just give them a quick look over, make sure everything's okay. You know, spin them a half turn so they get good growth and we're good to go. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's what's up with um, our moon uh, that's kicking off this week. And then... Um, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go day by day with the moon and the astrology and the fixed stars to get us really locked in on like what is happening in the sky this week. And then we're going to talk about our holy days. So um, the other stuff that's happening Wednesday the 16th is Mercury in Scorpio trine Jupiter retrograde in Pisces at 28 degrees. And this is a fine time. This is going to you know, last a day or two, even though Mercury moves really fast, the effect of that will be hanging out for a minute. Um, this is a fantastic day for focusing on travel plans, opening yourself to information, um, engaging in important communications, optimistic communications, expansive communications, asking for more information. Um, it's also a really good day for reconciliation. Um, it's a good day for hanging out with friends and connecting or reconnecting with people. Um, it's a really good day to plant the seed uh, and and kind of like initiate the process. Even though Jupiter's in retrograde, it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> um, because Jupiter represents the gods. And so anytime Mercury is making an aspect to Jupiter, we have an opportunity to kind of send a direct message to those entities and be like, hey, stuff, this is what's going on. Okay. And then later in the day, the moon is going to move into Virgo. When the moon is in Virgo, 
um, for our plant friends, I'll just say this very quickly because we don't actually have a moon aspect in Virgo, but while the moon is in Virgo for our plant friends, leave them alone. Just literally leave them alone. You might clear out compost on this day. Um, you might, uh, with that Mercury trine Jupiter, do a little bit of plant research for your plant friends to see, is there anything else you need to do for them as we move into winter, change their feeding cycles, change the watering cycles, that kind of thing. Um, but we really don't want to mess with the plants too much while the moon is in Virgo and just let them, let them live, leave them alone, let them do their thing. For our lunar body work for ourselves with the waning moon in Virgo, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, uh, our large and small intestines, our spleen, our pancreas. And, uh, you know, those are the parts of the body that filter stuff out and break stuff down and ultimately push it out of the body. So really complementary in the physical metaphor to that work that we're doing in this waning Leo moon earlier in the day, which is like, hey, let's clear out what's not useful to us. Let's, let's clear out the stuff that we don't need here. Okay, moving on to Thursday the 17th at uh, 12.41 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else, Mercury moves into Sagittarius. And we are going to have uh, basically three planets in a row moving into Sagittarius. Um, it's just going to be literally wham, bam, bam. Um Am I wrong about that? I am wrong about that. Actually, we already have planets in Sag. Uh, Venus has just moved into Sagittarius at some point. <laughs> I'm a professional. I know what's happening. Everybody hush. Um, and Mercury moving into Sagittarius brings our thoughts, brings our communication style. It brings our information gathering skills into alignment with Sagittarian attitudes, which are very philosophical expansive, um, and, uh, you know, far horizon oriented. So, you know, Sagittarius is the sign of, you know, going way out there, <laughs> whether it's in our spiritual practices, our philosophical beliefs, or traveling, um, or expanding our minds through education, expanding our minds through meeting people who are very different from us and having conversations with them and learning about things that we've never heard of before. That's Mercury's like, yes, yes, double, triple, yes to all of that. Yes, please give it to me now. Hurry, hurry. Um, so we will find that kind of throughout the world that people, I'm hilarious that Twitter is, you know, falling apart as this is happening, but, um, you know, deeper and more profound connections, maybe, but expansive and far-reaching connections absolutely again travel plans just wanting to learn more all of that stuff mercury in sagittarius we love it okay uh also on this day we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star uh agena or agena and this is found in the constellation centaurus aka sagittarius so even though we are still technically in Scorpio season, we are now starting to see the stars found in the constellation of Sagittarius already because it's a big constellation. It covers a big part of the sky. Scorpio is also a big constellation and those two overlap to some extent. I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I did some research on this star and as of today, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of myth 
connected to this star. Um, so I would love to know more. There might not be more out there to know, and that's okay too. Um, but basically what I got for you is uh, that the the word agena or agena connects to the word knee. It's, it's, um, it's Latin mostly uh, for the word knee. So it's literally one of the knees of the centaur. Um, but what else, the other little piece of information that I found about it is uh, that it's sometimes called Hadar, which is an Arabic word, which means to be present or settled, civilized area. And that to be present uh, is going to connect to our other fixed star that we have this week. So it's the knee of the centaur slash. It's also holding this concept of to be present or a settled civilized area. Okay, that's all I've got for Thursday the 17th. So moving on to uh, Friday the 18th at 1.38 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else, slash the next day for some folks, we have the Sun in Scorpio, sextile Pluto in Capricorn at 26 degrees. Um, this is very supportive energy. Uh, this is very foundational energy. This is like speaking to the skeleton or the structure or the foundation of a thing. Um, and, you know, Pluto can represent a lot of power. The sun represents our sense of self and our, our soul vitality type energies. And so this sextile is very like, I can do this. I can make this happen. Let's go. We've got this. Hoorah. You know, a lot of that kind of energy. And it's nice because we've had so many astrological transits that indicate how a lot of us have been feeling very beat down, very worn out, very exhausted, very overwhelmed. And so here we have an astro aspect transit moment that's like, hey, there's also an indicator of some resurgence here of energy or like some stoking of the coals a little bit. Um, so Pluto energy can be intense. It can be very like probing. Um, so if there is a situation where like we need to get to the heart of the matter, we need to like get down to the real part of it. Um, we may have the energy for that work on this day. Okay. Um, moving on to that's everything. Yes, that's everything. Okay. Moving on to Saturday, the 19th. First up, we have the moon stepping into Libra. I'm going to talk about moon in Libra stuff in alignment with Sunday the 20th. So we'll get to the deets on the moon in Libra in just a sec. Um, but the other thing that's happening on this day is 7.43 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else, we have Mars retrograde in Gemini square Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 22 degrees. Now, uh, as we've talked about previously on other podcasts, um, when we have a retrograde and we have a funky at, well, when we have any potent aspect, we know that it's going to hit three times. This is the second of the three. Uh, the first time was back on October 11th. So you might check your calendars for, uh, events similar to what we're about to talk about around October 11th. And the third time that this is going to happen 
is uh, 3-14-23. So way out in March of next year is the next time these two are going to meet. So when we think about that retrograde cycle, what that feels like oftentimes is the first hit is where the situation sort of gets opened up or introduced to us or we become aware of like, oh, there's a situation here. And then the second hit is like, ta-da, here it is, main stage, like in my face, I'm, it's, it's happening, here we go. And then that third hit is whatever the resolution of it is going to be this time around. That's what it is. Resolution doesn't always mean a happy ending, doesn't always mean a sad or a bad ending either. And it also doesn't always mean a total ending. It's just kind of a, here's where we're going to leave this for now kind of a vibe. And it's Mars retrograde and Neptune retrograde. Neither of these planets are acting right. Okay, <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. Um, and it's a square. So we already know that these two planets are not on the same page with each other. And generally speaking, Mars and Neptune are definitely not really on the same page with each other ever, right? Mars is very, let's go, I, me, mine. It's very defined. It's very like, you know, this is who I am and this is what I want. And Neptune is very nebulous and hazy and dreamy and sort of floaty and like everything is everything. There is no me. There is no separation between me and the thing. Um, and, you know, time is a flat wheel, and, it, you know, infinity is now like, it, you know, they're very opposed in their worldviews. Um, and so a square between these two can lend to some pretty deep confusion. And let me say this, too, because it's important to remember that Mars, who is the activating planet here, moving significantly faster than Neptune, also moves a bit slower than Mercury or Venus. So even though this aspect is exact on Saturday the 19th, you might start feeling traces of it as early as the 17th, probably almost definitely on the 18th. And then conversely, on the other side, you might also be feeling this on Sunday the 20th. Again, it's exact on the 19th, but it might echo a little bit, you know. I like the reverberations of a bell ringing. So number one with these two is confusion. And, you know, so I'm going to talk about this from like a relatively neutral space, but then I'm also going to talk about it from a slightly judgmental space <laughs> um, because uh, Neptune and Mars don't play nicely with each other again, as I kind of have already said. So, um, from a very, very neutral space, this is a, this is a confusing time. It's a really great opportunity to um, get information wrong, to get your motivations wrong, to misunderstand another person's motivations. And again, from a very neutral place of just like, whoops, like literally just a mistake was made, not on the same page. No one's trying to get anything over on anybody, just a clear cut mistake, but it's Mars. And so Mars immediately wants to be protective, defensive. Mars is very suspicious. Mars is very like, I'm ready to fight about this. I'm ready to have an argument about it. I'm ready to be offended, even if that's not your intention. Um, or, and I'm ready to be offensive, even if that's not really called for here. 
somebody has made a simple mistake and I'm ready to unleash on them. So you could be feeling this from either place or both places. Um, and, you know, one of the things that it, um, one of the things that this can do, again, for speaking from a very neutral place, is that this can be a moment where you are informed by a person or the situation or the universe at large exactly what you know and exactly what you don't know. Like, here's, a, here's exactly where my information ends. If I can receive that piece of advice without ego attachment, that's really helpful, right? Because it tells me exactly where I should shut up. <laughs> it tells me exactly where I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I might be wrong and that's okay. We all are wrong at times. We all make mistakes at times. We all get confused. We all make, you know, we all mix stuff up that happens. It's okay. Um, if I can receive that moment from the universe, that's like, Hey, you got this wrong. That's where I go, oh, I can just stop right here because I'm <laughs> I'm on the wrong track. Let me just pause and get myself on the right track. Now, you know, is it time to proceed? Let's go forward. But again, it's Mars. So Mars wants to be defensive. Mars wants to be offended and offensive. Mars is ready to argue about it, ready to get their hackles up, ready to get freaked out. Um, so be aware of that because where this gets nasty is that this can turn into um, crusader energy. This can turn into lies and deceit. This can turn into utilizing our words as weapons because remember Mars is retrograde in Gemini and um, Neptune is retrograde in Pisces, which is the ineffable face of God, Gemini, our world of communications and ideas and information. Um, again, side note, I think it's freaking hilarious that the guy that wanted to go to Mars bought Twitter, our land of communication, the town, the communication town square, and it's all going to shit during Mars retrograde as an astrologer. Again, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but back to this, um, you know, we can think about words like inflamed contagion, inflation, spy scandals, identity as weapons, all of that kind of stuff, like really gross, weird shit. Um, and so, you know, in dealing with this, that's, that's a lot of the Mars element that can kind of go awry. And when we're thinking about the Neptune element of this, that can go awry, it can lead us into like, wow, that is hot. You are freaked out. You're paranoid. You're offensive. You're defensive. You're suspicious. You're paranoid. I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed. I want to escape. I want to disconnect. I want to disassociate. I want to just float away. That can be the Neptune retrograde response to this kind of stuff. So one person or one element in this situation might be very fiery and ready to go to war. And the other person or element in this situation might be like, cool, I'm just going to take a bunch of drugs and disassociate. Goodbye. Um, and so obviously neither of those are balanced behaviors, right? Um, those are not like taking into account the future, <laughs> taking into account what's in my best interest in totality, what's in your best interest, what's in the best interest of our circumstance and our situation. Um, so just know that this is a weekend that's really offering us a lot of opportunities to make mistakes, stick our foot in our mouths, and then double down with like an ego attack um, and to be really defensive or offended or whatever. Um, but again, 
if we can approach this from an egoless place, this is the universe saying, here, I'm going to demonstrate to you exactly where your knowledge and understanding of a situation stops. And that, again, can be so, so helpful. Not always the news that we want to hear, but it might be the information that we need to be able to proceed or not proceed forward in the healthiest way possible for ourselves and community, right? Okay. Um, however this plays out, like I said, we have a part three way out in March of next year. So consider that whatever it is that goes down this weekend is going to come back around again <laughs> at some point in the future. <laughs> so let that alone be some encouragement for you to play nicely and like try to be as authentic in this process as possible. The other thing that I will say about this is with that disassociative element that can come up with Neptune stuff, we can really float away from the body. And with Mars in retrograde, our vitality is really diminished right now. Our force of life, our, our zhuzh, our fieriness, the, the fire in our engine is diminished right now um, or introverted. It's moving backwards. And so this could be a day of just like extremely low physical energy and just really feeling like I do not have the drive for this. So remember to drink some water, remember to move your body in whatever ways are safe and healthy for you. Remember to eat some foods to keep the body going. I'm not going to tell you what kind of food to eat. Just remember to eat some, have some snacks, whatever it is that works for you. Um, just come back. You know, even if you've got to stick a post-it note somewhere, that's like, don't forget Mars is square retro, Mars is square Neptune this weekend, you know, order pizza, like whatever has to happen, right? Like <laughs> just make it good. Okay. That is September 19th. Then we move to Sunday, the 20th. Um, and at 3.07 AM Pacific standard time, we have a balsamic moon in Libra at 13 degrees and much later in the day, 8.07 PM, uh, Pacific standard time, we have the sun in Scorpio trine Jupiter retrograde in Pisces at 28 degrees. So let me bring you into the astrology of those three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Friday, we have the sun sextile Pluto. And then on Sunday, we have the sun trine Jupiter. And in the middle of that, we have this Mars square Neptune moment. So we have a real funky moment right there in the middle, but on other side, on either side of it, we have two very helpful, buoyant, realistic, and optimistic helper aspects on either side of it. So I feel like those moments might take the edge off of the Mars square Neptune moment a little bit. Um, I think that they both give us opportunities to kind of stay a little bit more optimistic in that situation that we might be, um, we might be able to find a little more depth in those interactions and be able to be real with ourselves because of that Pluto interaction, you know, Jupiter again, bringing in the optimism and buoyancy and like, there's hope for this. I'm not going to get bogged down by this moment because things in general are better than this. Um, that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm going to come back to those more specifically in just a second, but when we are working with our balsamic moon in Libra. The balsamic moon is very interesting to me. It's a really cool lunar phase. It is the last bits of the moon before we go new. And 
So these are the last, you know, two or three days, basically, of the lunar cycle before we move into the new moon. Uh, and the balsamic moon is is sort of like entrenched in the past, right? It's made up of everything that we've experienced in this last lunar cycle, but it's very future oriented because it's really like, get me out of here. I want to get into the next lunar cycle. Let's go, let's go. And Libra is all about pleasure, the body, artistic expression, um, you know, feeling good, being in harmonious union with beings around us or the environments around us. So this could be a moment of like, you know what, let me come back to the body. Um, after this, like slightly disassociative, like weird moment with Mars square Neptune, that's really like sapped my vitality and whatever else. Like, let me get back to eating tasty food, wearing clothes that are comfortable and beautiful and pleasing to me. Let me go see some art. Let me go listen to some bands at a local club or a bar. Like, you know, of course, wear your masks, but, um, you know, that thing. Like, wow, I was really frustrated by yesterday, but what is bringing me life today is beauty, opulence, enjoying and, and dipping myself into the five senses. And it's really helping me get oriented to what come, what's coming next, like moving into the future and, and seeing the future again. Um, and then we have this really beautiful trine with the sun and Jupiter and any trine from Jupiter is dope. It's awesome. It doesn't matter that Jupiter's retrograde. It literally doesn't matter. Um, this trine can feel lucky. It can feel generous and optimistic and very expansive. Again, very future oriented, like, yes, there's hope. Yes, I can do this. Yes, we can do this. We can figure this out. We can make this happen. Anytime there's a trine between sun and Jupiter, I feel like it's a great time to send a wish out to the universe, um, to ask for what you want, um, to, to extend your generosity and benevolence to other people. If that's something that's possible for you to do, um, really, really cool. And what's interesting is, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but, um, uh, Jupiter has been retrograde and is just about to station direct. And those direction shifts, either Jupiter stationing retrograde or Jupiter stationing direct, match up with the sun trining Jupiter. There's a rhythm there and it's a really powerful rhythm. And again, we're going to talk about that more in next week's podcast because I think it's really cool and uh, it's a really dope magical pattern um, that's kind of available to us right now to work with. But again, coming back to the stuff that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, this is a great week to let go of shit that's in your way. Let go of, you know, look at your process, be honest with yourself, utilize this Mars square Neptune as a moment to call yourself out on exactly what you don't know exactly where your shortcomings are of like, here's where I can improve. Here's where I could get better at stuff rather than hiding in anything. Um, and then clear, clear it out for this next lunar cycle. And this next, these next astro cycles that are coming up next week, we also have the sun moving into Sagittarius. And on the same day, we're going to have Jupiter stationing direct Jupiter, the ruling planet of Sagittarius. So there really is kind of like this moment where like, some doors are opening. 
uh, in my opinion, in my astro opinion. So cool, cool stuff. Um, but yeah, returning to pleasure, returning to the body, returning to our lovers and the people that we share loving stuff with. Um, when the waning moon is in Libra for our lunar body work, we're supporting and resting and restoring uh, the hips and also the kidneys and the bladder. And the kidneys in particular, their job is to continue the filtration process uh, that the spleen and the pancreas are doing, right? Um, but spleen and pancreas are filtering out stuff that we don't need and kicking it out. The kidneys are filtering stuff out and deciding what we should keep and like sending the good stuff back to the system. So see how this sits with this astro work that we're doing this week of like, let me name exactly what's not suiting me and, and working for my process. Let me kick out what's not working here. Let me name what is working. Um, and what of those things do I need to keep? And also what of those things do I need to let go of and continue to move through? Because we also have the bladder here, which is, you know, they're, they're, the bladder's job is to, is to collect what's going to go. Right. So cool stuff, cool, cool stuff. Um, for our plant body work with Libra uh, waning, it's uh, once again, aesthetics only. Um, we're not doing much to the plants right now. If you want to add some decorations, you want to move some stuff around, might be a good time to spin your plants again. Um, wipe down their bases, wipe down your plant stands, wipe down the leaves. But otherwise, no planting, no trimming, uh, no pruning, no transplanting, none of that stuff. Just, just leave them alone, let them hang out. Okay. Then, moving into next week, Monday the 21st. We have uh, Mercury in Sagittarius conjunct Venus in Sagittarius at seven degrees. This is a fantastic day for socializing, for connecting, for opening up opportunities. This is another great day for asking for what you want. Um, great day for flirting. It's a great day for shooting your shot. It's a great day for um, enjoying art and artistic environments and making art and all of that stuff. Very, very cool. On this same day, uh, our moon moves into Scorpio and, um, I'm not going to talk too much about Scorpio stuff, but, uh, for the next two days, Monday and Tuesday, the 21st and 22nd, this is a really great time for resting and nourishing uh, supporting or otherwise restoring our organs and the processes of pleasure and reproduction and waste management. So, you know, if you really went to town with, <laughs> with that <laughs> moon in Libra, you might need to do a little restorative work. <laughs> God is blessed, right? Um, but any of that kind of stuff is really appropriate for this, for this uh, moon. And then for our plant body stuff, now we can come back to the plants and start working with them again. This is a great time for planting or transplanting or grafting, although I don't know how successful grafting is at this time of year, um, for anything that's going to bear crops below ground. Uh, there might still be a few things there, but we can also think of that in the sense of like, where can I get plants ready for the next, next growth cycle, like next year? Is this a great day for composting? Um, is this a great day for digging up the stuff that's clearly not going to produce anything else this year? Could be that kind of thing too. Okay. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Tuesday, the 22nd, 
at 12.20 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the sun moves into Sagittarius. And uh, all that stuff that I was saying about Mercury in Sag really applies to the sun in Sag as well. Again, Sagittarius is very expansive. It, it's education-oriented. It's very philosophical. It wants to travel. It wants to meet people from far away and learn about things it's never heard of before. And Sagittarius is just very dedicated to expanding its mind and expanding its understanding of things as much as possible. And here with the sun in Sagittarius, a lot of folks may be feeling like, I really want to apply that approach to myself and me in the world. This is the mode I want to move in. So bringing in those Sag vibes, very, very cool. Um, oh, one more thing I forgot <laughs> because how you knew I wasn't going to do that perfectly. Moving back to Monday the 21st. This is our other fixed star for the week. And it is a fixed star called Ptolemon. Um, and again, this was a star that I couldn't find a lot of information about. I could find a lot of like astrological interpretation of this star in your chart, but I couldn't find a lot of information about the myths connected to this star. So maybe I didn't do my homework well, or maybe there just isn't a lot out there, but, uh, this star connects to the foot of the centaur. So, um, Agenes was the knee of the centaur. This is the foot of the centaur. But the other thing that I thought was very interesting about this star is, um, the, the ancient name of this star is Ptolemon. It's also referred to as Bungala. I think that's how that's pronounced. Bungala. I love it. Um, but Ptolemon means the heretofore and the hereafter. And when we take that into account with Agenes, that's very interesting because in Agenes, it means to be present, right? So with these two fixed stars, we have everything that's ever come before, the present, and everything that is yet to come. So first and last and always. <laughs> um, but it's in the past, the present, and the future in these three stars, or in these two stars. Past and future in one of them, and the present in the other. Um, but again, that's it. That's all I've got with these two stars. Um, so if there's something else going on there, I'd love to know what it is. Uh, and maybe that's straightforward enough and it should be really obvious to me. I'm not sure, <laughs> but, um, you know, if I, if I wanted to connect that to something, we are moving through in some ways, the very end of the year. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the cumulative past is here in terms of like, what all has 2022 handed us? What all has this century and this millennium handed us so far? Um, for some folks, the new year starts in September. Some folks, it starts October 31st, right? Which is new year. That's Samhain. But, and also for a lot of folks, new year's is winter solstice. That's the end of the old solar cycle and the beginning of the new solar cycle. And then again, some people, obviously, lots of people celebrate New Year's on December 31st, January 1st. And lots of people celebrate New Year's way out at spring equinox, too. So time is a wheel, right? <laughs> there really is no beginning or end. But feel into that cycle. Does that resonate for you? Is this something that's important to you? 
that might be part of what these fixed stars are pointing to is like we're in a place where the past the present and the future all kind of coagulate and like hang out and mix together and like you know congeal as it i don't know why those words in particular are coming to me because it's the season of blood but um but or because i'm really stuffy maybe maybe it's that <laughs> but um but i just think that that's an interesting idea to play with and to work with so enjoy that <laughs> work with that in whatever way makes sense for you okay those are our moons our fixed stars and our astro aspects for the week our transits for the week so now let us talk about a couple of holy days that we're celebrating this week But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast, um, partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now it's too expensive for everything um tell a friend share it on social media uh give it a thumbs up if you're feeling especially hedonistic you can leave a rating or a review all right that's the end of the ad let's get back to the podcast okie dokie the holy days of this week we have a few um, I'm only going to talk about some. If you want to see all of the holy days that are being celebrated this week, subscribe to Patreon at the Venus level or higher. That's nine bucks a month or more. You will get access to the Patreon bag of holding wherein you will find the workbook for this uh, Sabbath as well as the eight week calendar for this Sabbath, which has literally hundreds of of festivals, holy days, celebrations, and observance days, past and present. And yes, every year I go through and remap the holy days that I can track. <laughs> uh, there are some holy days that are on fixed days. They're on the same day every single year. But there are lots and lots of holy days, past and present, uh, from the ancient world and from the modern world that are dictated by the lunar cycles or uh, solar cycles or whatever. And so, yes, 
every year I go through and change those holidays. So uh, you want access to the calendar? Go to the website, go to go to my Patreon and subscribe. Um, but the couple that I want to talk about this week um, are um, on November 15th, excuse me, November 16th, we have the Night of Hecate. This is a modern approximation uh, coming from our modern pagan Wheel of the Year calendars. Um, and this is a fixed day for, for this celebration. The Night of Hecate uh, or Hecate would have been dictated by the moon. So <clears throat> in some ways, I find that it's totally fine that we're celebrating this on the same day as the waning half moon. Um, and I think that this is not just a night, but something that could be absolutely celebrated through to the dark moon uh, at the throughout this entire week up to the new moon. Um, really, the night of Hecate could be celebrated any time during the lunar cycles that fall within the Scorpio solar cycle. So once the sun has passed into Scorpio, whatever the moon is doing, I think it's appropriate time to work with Hecate. This is definitely their time of year, her time of year. Um, a lot of witches celebrate Hecate on the first day of the new moon once the sun has moved into Scorpio, whenever that comes. A lot of witches will celebrate Hecate on the full moon of the Scorpio cycle. A lot of witches will celebrate on this waning half moon up to the dark moon at the very end of the Scorpio solar cycle. So go with your gut on that. I expect that this is a goddess that is more than happy to be celebrated every day of the year, honestly, <laughs> but throughout the Scorpio season, I think is totally appropriate. I think that it's okay uh, to witness this goddess at any time during this time of the year because of what she celebrates and what she oversees and her work that she does. I think, I think that it's very appropriate. All apologies to any ancient Greeks that are listening that are like, no, you've got that wrong. So sorry. Um, so from our modern pagan friends and ancestors, we have the night of Hecate here on November 16th. And Hecate, if you are not familiar with this incredible goddess, she's incredible. Um, she is a Greek deity, but she probably ultimately arrived in Greece uh, from the Carians in Southwest Asia Minor. Um, so she's probably not native to Greece, but was an imported uh, idea or, or archetype that they decided to work with. Um, but Hecate is the chief goddess presiding over magic, spellcrafting, uh, witchy ritual, um, any and all places where magic is being conducted by yourself or with a coven or a group of people, any kind of magical rituals. She oversees all that stuff. That's her bread and butter. Um, she is intrinsically tied to the myth of Persephone and her underworld journey in a variety of ways um, and often oversees anybody's descent into the underworld. Uh, and that is shown with her often holding a torch in her hand. So she's lighting the way literally through the dark. Um, she often, or she also oversaw uh, passageways through the lands of the dead and passing into the lands of the dead. 
and uh and so she is honored at crossroads like anywhere where there are crossroads and in ancient greece uh crossroads often had pillars erected to her called hecatea um and they would be at crossroads and at doorways so any place where you were crossing from here to there right um she was in charge of protecting them of keeping evil away and sort of overseeing the safety of people's passage through those places um she's depicted in a single form um often holding a burning torch sometimes keys sometimes a rope and then in later forms she's depicted as a triple goddess or a triple faced goddess and there'll be three versions of her all standing with their backs to each other and a lot of folks think that those were often the images of her that were erected at crossroads so that she could look in all directions um she's often accompanied by serpents dog black dogs uh, in particular um and the best way to observe the night of hecate or the week of hecate or anytime you're wanting to do a magical observance for this goddess is do magic and even more importantly have a dinner and hang out with your witchy magical friends and discuss the magic that you have been practicing over the last period of time literally talking about the magic that you're doing is a holy act in the eyes of hecate which i absolutely love i think that is such a cool way of honoring a goddess um and then if you do decide to have a dinner make sure you set a, a plate of food aside for her and take it out to a crossroads and leave it there um and leave that as an offering to her um a little snack a little beverage we love um so that is the coolest and the easiest way of of interacting with this deity and and like i said it's centered on the 16th but also i think it's something that can be celebrated throughout the week also this week running from november 17th through december 17th so for the next month we have from our roman friends and ancestors brumalia uh and brumalia is a month-long uh winter celebration it really is sort of like this is the last month of this portion of the thing before the sun dies at winter solstice we're partying right up to the end and different sources will give different dates for brumalia most places list it as a month some places list it as three weeks long uh some sources say that it is specifically tied to the solar cycle some sources say that it's tied to the lunar cycle so you know there's a little gimme room there right um i've read some sources that have this run from november 25th directly up to december 25th uh i have other sources that say that this runs up to it might start on the 25th of november and it runs to december 17th there's other sources that are like no it's always 30 days no matter what day it starts on etc etc um and where i think that you could have a little shimmy room there is if you're a big big fan of saturnalia you might have saturnalia run concurrent with it at the end the last week of brumalia could be saturnalia or you might have brumalia end and then that last week be saturnalia before we actually hit winter solstice you know you you do you babe but uh this is the stuff that we're working with so what is brumalia it's this great honoring of saturn ops bacchus uh series 
and ops and series are synonymous in some places. So basically it's ops series and, and Bacchus are all about the vegetation cycle. They're all about um, growing things and making things happen. And Saturn <clears throat> is about endings, right? Saturn is um, obviously going to be honored at Saturnalia at the end of the year, but it literally was the God that came in and was like, well, we're all done with that. So <laughs> I'm here to cut your heads off. I'm here with my giant sickle to like end the, end the thing. And speaking very loudly in my mind to some of the work that we're doing in this lunar cycle, the big work that Saturn does is that that planet comes through and helps harvest the very best of our process. And in doing that, there is a sacrifice, right? Core theme of Samhain season. There is a sacrifice. This was my best. I tried so hard. I was making a thing happen. Here's my my golden head of wheat. Check it out. And the sickle is like, yeah, I'll take that. Shunk. And and so we oftentimes can only see that portion of the process. And we're like, why is Saturn coming for me? Why is Saturn attacking me? I was doing so good. I was doing this work. And it can feel like Saturn is here to end things just to end things, just to be like, well, we're done with that. Goodbye. But, but in my opinion, the real work that Saturn does is it clears out our successes to make room for more successes. Because if we go back to that metaphor of the golden head of wheat, um, if we don't harvest it, it will not make another one. It will go to seed. And eventually the plant is like, well, I did the thing and I'm going to start to rot and I'm going to start to go back into my growth cycle and start this whole thing all over again. But if we roll through and we harvest that stuff and we take the best of what that plant has offered, it's like, oh, let me do it again because I've still got sunlight and rain and nutrients in the soil and let me do this. And it will shoot up another golden head of grain and we take that one, which shoots up another golden head of grain, take that one. Obviously, there's a rhythm, a larger rhythm around that cycle. That's not going to happen forever. So that's part of the preciousness of this work too, right? And just like in our own lives, um, there are times when we are producing and there are times when we are not producing. And that is very healthy and very real. So we want to honor the times when we are producing and jam it out and sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed so that we can keep jamming it out and doing it. And then there is going to be a time of diminishing and a time of rest. And in when that moment begins to introduce itself, uh, a, a moment like the this waning moon in Leo really gives us an opportunity to go, okay, so <laughs> we're not in the jamming it out portion anymore. We are heading towards the rest portion. So let me think about what I need to let go of. What, let me think about what things are impeding future progress. Um, you know, what things like just straight up didn't work, all of that stuff. So, you know, to come back around to Brumalia, um, you know, Brumalia is this month long cycle or this month long festival or holiday that brings us into these very shortest, coldest days of the year for those of us here in the Northern Hemisphere. The word Brumalia connects to the Latin word bruma, which literally means short or shortest or smallest or most diminutive. It also sometimes is translated into cold weather or even literally winter solstice. Um, but it literally meant the least of. And, you know, again, speaking to our growth cycle, we're heading towards the part where we have the least of. We shouldn't be trying to grow things right now. And Saturn is like, yes, I'm here to help you end that process so that we can clear shit out 
have a moment of rest, be here in the dark at the low point, enjoy that, and then start the ascent back up again to whatever it is that we're going to work on and produce and make happen in our next cycle. Um, Brumalia was celebrated for several centuries in uh, Greek and Roman culture. Um, and one of the traditions that I think is really cool of Brumalia uh, that speaks to how long was Brumalia um, is that in some eras, Brumalia was exactly 24 days and um, there was, a, and, and so a, a Greek letter was assigned to each day. And if your name started with that letter, that was a day that you would pass out gifts and, you know, provide yummy desserts and things like that to the people in your life. Maybe you just opened your home and, you know, offered food all day or, you know, you made things for the people that were special to you in your life or whatever. I think that's a really cool way of kind of like incorporating all of the stuff, you know? <clears throat> celebrating yourself, celebrating gift giving at this time of year, all of that. I think it's a really cool, um, tradition to be potentially incorporated. So if you're wanting to work with that, you could start Brumalia here on November 17th. You could also start Brumalia on November 24th. You do you do what makes sense for you. Um, okay. Also this week, what else did I want to talk about? Yes. On November 18th from our Slavic friends and ancestors, we have dead Moros uh, Dead Moros, this is the birthday of Dead Moros. This is an unofficial holiday celebrated in um, Eastern Europe, in the Eastern Slavic countries. Um, and it is dedicated to one of the most popular characters in Eastern Slavic folklore. Dead Moros, the name literally translates to Grandfather Frost. And this character is synonymous with Santa Claus. Father Christmas, Pierre Noel, uh, Wayne Oxman, um, and other types of uh, personifications of Christian, uh, or excuse me, of Christmas uh, in Western cultures, um, but deeply rooted in Slavic paganism. And uh, originally he was known as Morosko, which is a diminutive form for frost. And he's the literal personification of um, frost, snow, and winter in general. And like winter, um, Morosko or Moros could be malicious, could be benevolent. Um, in some stories, you know, he saves a girl that's left in the forest <clears throat> by her step-parents. Um, but then in other stories, he punishes people for, for not being cool. And in some stories, he's connected to the, to the god Velez. He's the son of Velez, the god of earth, water, and the underworld. But he's also the son of Mara, who is the goddess of seasonal rites and the rebirth of nature. So um, still celebrated to this day and um, often depicted in a, in a way that's very similar to Father Christmas or like the old school renditions of Santa Claus. Uh, he has a daughter who's called the Snow Maiden. And on and on. So this is this is uh, uh, November 18th, Dead Moros. There's other stuff going on this week. What else am I going to mention? Not too much. Uh, November 20th is our um, from our global friends and ancestors, Transgender Remembrance Day. So again, we're still in the season of honoring our ancestors and honoring our, our beloved dead. Um, and on this same day, uh, from our German friends and ancestors, we have Totensontag. 
which is another day of honoring the dead. And this is specifically from Lutherans who are of German descent, but it kind of is like a thing that's, it's sort of celebrated by lots of people, but sort of not, but it's a thing dedicated to celebrating the dead. Those are the only holy days that I'm going to talk about from this week. Um, and I think that's plenty, honestly, <laughs> I think that's more than enough, but, um, a lot of opportunities here to witness winter coming on, uh, to think about what we're going to do with these last four to five weeks that we have before the sun dies and is uh, reborn, um, to honor our magical practices, uh, and honor the deities and the archetypes and the ancestors that oversee our, and assist us in our magical practices and protect us in those places. So pretty cool stuff, honestly, gotta say pretty cool stuff. Um, okay. So now we are going to scooch on to our tarot card for the week and our, um, magic that I recommend us practicing for the week. And our tarot card for the week is the judgment card. Very casual. Everybody calm down. Um, Judgment card is connected to the planet Pluto uh, in some magical systems. And in other magical systems, the judgment card is connected to the spirit of fire. And in the Smith Waite uh, interpretation of this deck, we have a, an angel or an angelic being in the sky. They have wings that are red and blue. And their hair is very fiery. It's gold and orange colored. So it looks like fire. And they are blowing a trumpet with a square flag coming off of it. And the square flag is white with a big red cross on it. And they're blowing this trumpet over a whole bunch of people who are gray coming up out of coffins that are floating in water and way off in the distance are some snowy mountain peaks. So what is going on in this picture? You may have uh, heard a phrase at some point in your uh, magical practices. It's very arcane. It's very esoteric. In the beginning was the word. Ha ha ha. Right. Wait, are we talking about Christianity? No, no ma'am. No, we're not. No, sir. Um, no king, no queen, no, no royal. We are not. Um, that idea uh, that we find at the beginning of the, the Christian Bible is, a, is an idea, one of many, that was stolen by the god Yahweh from the goddess Kali, <laughs> who, as far as I can find, and this might not be the end of the story, but as far as I can find, was actually the first deity documented as speaking the world into being or, or uttering a uh, sound and, and making existence occur. Kali spoke the world into being 5,000 years before anybody had ever heard of Yahweh. And, uh, you know, her priests, the priests of Kali say that the gods are as children on the lap of Kali, that the world is formed out of the meat of her thighs. That's how expansive and incredible Kali is. Kali is the great birther, the great sustainer, and the great destroyer. All things are in Kali. In other words, uh, you know, everything heretofore, everything present, and everything hereafter, right? Um, and 
in this picture on the judgment card, what we're seeing is the angel Gabriel blowing their trumpet and enacting this moment, this magical moment of speaking the world into being. They are made of fire and with that fire, they are creating a wind and that wind is blowing over the waters and the combination of those three things is going to manifest the new world. So we have uh, fire, air, water, and ultimately earth. Um, and this is the spirit of that fire. This is the entity behind that fire or an archetype related to that fire. So what is happening in this card? What are we doing? In this card, what we are acknowledging is that we have been through some shit, <laughs> um, that we have faced some really intense trials, that we have gone through some hard times, and that has changed us, that we, have, we are distinctly different people from who we were before, that times have changed, we have changed. And now we have this entity arriving to announce that we have changed so much and we have moved so far through the current process that the new level, the new process, the new world is about to arrive. It's on its way. And if we look back on our old selves, it's almost like we're looking at strangers because our lives have changed so much. How we move within our lives has changed so much. And this is a frightening moment and a really incredible moment all at the same time, because it's an acknowledgement of all that we've been through. It's an acknowledgement of the work that we have done to change, to roll with the punches, to keep evolving, to stay brave, to stay hopeful that there is a future to continue to change for, um, to stay dedicated to our work, to stay dedicated to the members of our community and their work. Um, and it's an acknowledgement that through that, we are changing reality and we are birthing a new world through our actions and our deeds by leaving behind the old and embracing the new. And then we have a herald like this come along and go, yeah, actually, yes. And that in of itself can be very shocking and frightening. Like, oh crap, this is all real. It's really happening. Here we go. Oh no. <laughs> And also, what's the new world going to look like? Am I ready for it? Is it ready for me? What am I stepping into? It's the unknown. And like I say in the, the Samhain classes, make room for chaos or chaos will make its room. Um, you know, the unknown is always in front of us. And, and this is a big moment of leaving behind what we have known but does not serve us anymore and opening to whatever is coming next and we don't know what it is and that's destabilizing that can be frightening but this is on purpose and we are co-creators in this action um so that's what's up with the judgment card it doesn't come up for a lot of people it doesn't come up in readings very often i find um although it has come up more in the last couple of years <laughs> because you know we're kind of going through it as a species um but this is a card that really is saying there's a union between the heart and the soul. There's a union between the, the pieces of me that know on a soul level what it is that I'm here to do or an emotional level what it is that I'm here to do and want to do and hope for the world. And 
uh, that's coming into union with the fire in me, the passion in me, the drive in me to make a thing happen and to apply myself and to fight for and be passionate about what I believe is true and good in myself and in my community and in my people and in the world around me. Um, so this is a, a cool card for us to work with at this time of year. We have, um, you know, that it is connected to Pluto and we're in the last days of Scorpio season and it is connected to the spirit of fire, which is very Plutonic, but also we're about to step into Sagittarius season, which is a fire sign. So we, we have a really cool combination of energies here in this moment. How do we connect the watery depths of ourselves that we've been plunging through in Scorpio season to the expansive, optimistic, hopeful fire that is in us, that is evoked in Sagittarius season as we walk into the darkest part of the year for us here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, that is what is contained in this tarot card. And that's the work that's sort of being offered to us at this time. In terms of magical practices for us for this week, I think sacrifice in the terms of letting go of things that feel like they're holding us back, letting go of successes that we are afraid to let go of in fear of um, not having more success in the future. I think communing with the dead, going to sweep some ancestor graves or going to take care of some tombstones or gravestones in your local cemetery might be really uh, lovely work to do. Candle magic, obviously, any kind of fire magic is really pop uh, popping this week with all of this water and fire energy at the same time. Um, holding a dumb supper if you haven't already, uh, but also holding a magical supper um, and ha having that magical ritual with um, members of your community that you practice magic with could also be um, really, really hot and incredible stuff to do. When that moon is working through Libra, you might do some sex magic um, or some sensual magic with yourself or another person or persons. Um, and on the last day of the week, as the sun moves into Sagittarius, a magical bonfire could be really, really potent um, and, and really powerful for bringing in uh, that attitude of I'm ready. I'm ready to let go of what is no longer serving me. And I'm ready to welcome in whatever the fuck this crazy shit is that's coming next. So that, my friends, is our week. Uh, very, very quickly, let me do the rundown for you here. Um, Wednesday the 16th, we have our half moon in Leo at 24 degrees. Mercury in Scorpio, trine, Jupiter retrograde in Pisces at 28 degrees. Thursday, Mercury into Sagittarius. Friday the 18th, sun in Scorpio, uh, sextile Pluto in Capricorn at 26 degrees. Um, uh, the moon moved into Virgo in there at some point too. So enjoy that Saturday, the 19th, the moon moves into Libra. We have our Mars retrograde in Gemini square Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 22 degrees. Uh, Sunday, the 20th, we have our balsamic moon at 13 degrees of Libra and the sun in Scorpio trine Jupiter retrograde in Pisces at 28 degrees. Monday, the 21st, our moon moves into Scorpio and we have uh, Mercury and Sagittarius conjunct Venus at seven degrees and Tuesday, the 22nd, the sun moves into 
uh, Sagittarius. And then next week, we start our week with uh, the new moon in Sagittarius. So we also have our lunar phases moving out of fixed signs and officially moving into the mutable signs to help us change form out of our fall shape and into our winter beings that we are going to summon and embody for the next three months. All right, my friends, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Um, blessed be and, uh, you know, hail Hecate.